This episode of Screen Geeks Radio is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash screengeeks. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 140. This is Dave. This is Barry. And Ethan could not make it today. I think he was going to go catch burlesque at a special screening. Mm. Yeah. Best of luck to you, Ethan. There you go. They yeah. have some strange screenings there. Like, like he was telling you know telling us about. Uh, it's like what is it like cheap night like Tuesday nights over yeah. there. So it's like it's it sounds like they get the, just the worst movies there for for cheap nights. So my heart goes out to them because uh, that's just yeah. You know, it's like whenever the cheap movies come to our cheap theater, like I'm tempted to go down there. But like even I avoided burlesque when it was at the Dollar Theater. Oh, we'll be talking about burlesque shortly. Let me tell you. Amazingly, um, yeah. we'll be talking about burlesque. There, on there's show. A, there's a shocker. Yes, but this week we're actually going to go out on a limb. A week before the Oscars come out, make our picks. Um, I do have two picks from Ethan. And, and I think we're going to do our sentimental choice, what we think should win, and what's probably going to win. Yes. Basically, the whole point is basically so we can like look back on this episode a week later and realize how completely wrong we were. Absolutely. Which is always enjoyable. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yes, yes. Before we get to that, let's go ahead and talk about what we watched this week. Oh, and by the way, happy birthday, Mr. Worst. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, good Appreciate times. That. Glad to be here for the 140th episode. I thought before we opened up, you were going to say this episode, in addition to our wonderful Audible.com sponsors, is uh, this episode was sponsored by the number four. Oh yeah, no, 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 because it we'll get there. That, yeah, we'll, we'll that, get the joke there. will get there because yeah. yeah, callbacks work beautifully. Uh, but Julia was showed how what a wonderful wife she is. She took you to RoboCop. She did. Yes, yes, saw RoboCop at the at the theater this week, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I'd I'd read for for years about how Orion Pictures had screened the movie and they knew it was going to be a hit because the test screenings were so enthusiastically received and the people were like applauding and cheering when it was over. And I thought, no, I mean, this it's such a violent movie. How could people be like that? Well, that's exactly what it was like. And um, at the end of the film. When Dan O'Hurley, you know, playing the old man, adjusts tie and he goes, "Nice shooting, son. What's your name?" And Peter Weller looks at the camera and goes, "Murphy." Guy behind me said, "Damn straight it is!" And everybody started applauding. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty great. That is awesome. Cool. What well, What else have you watched over the past bit, sir? Um, a, a movie I really want to get behind because this is a great film, and most people really missed it. And that's Flipped. This is the first film that Rob Reiner has done in years that I think is really engaging and really worth seeing. Cool. Um, it's uh, it. it in in the adult cast, you've got um, let's see, you've got Anthony Edwards, Rebecca De Mornay, um, John Mahoney. So it's got a fine supporting cast, but the two lead actors are unknown, and they do a fine job. It's basically about this this summer where this kid falls in love for the first time. It's it it's not quite as edgy as Stand by Me, but he's but Rob Ryan is clearly trying to make that kind of a movie. Um, it's not perfect, but I really, really love the film. Um, cool. It, flaws and all, I think it's his, the best film he's done in a really, really long time. So I definitely recommend Flipped. Um, I did finally get around to seeing Buried. Um, I thought it was a fine movie, a very, very impressively directed. I mean, they they certainly came up with every scenario possible for that situation. Um, yes. I thought Ryan Reynolds has never been better. Um, it was a gut shot. No question. I had a hard time with the ending initially because I thought it was something of a cheat, but I think the more I think about it, I think I just had a hard time with the ending because it, it's so cruel. Yes. Because <laughs> it, 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 it was so is. shocking, frankly. Um, and, you know, I should have seen it coming. And no, you're right. And in, in, uh, you said this in an earlier episode. I mean, this is the kind of film that Rod Sterling would very much approve of. Um, but 
Brad Sterling also knew a thing or two about very cruel human drama. So, you know. Yeah. So, this is a movie I think we're going to come back to over and over as time passes. People, are, More people are going to discover this movie. And it shows that Ryan Reynolds is the real deal. Yeah, I think so. I think more than anything else I've seen him, other than maybe the nines. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I was very impressed with his performance in this film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That 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 setup for the ending. I mean, you can see it coming. You know, a half hour away, but you're like, no, that's not gonna. Wow. Yeah, there's some. You know, there are some scenes in this movie that that are really hard to take that had nothing to do with, with his situation, but it had everything to do with the nature of the phone calls that he was making. The, the and, one yeah. from the lawyer is is that's the yeah. That was that was especially maddening. Um, but you know, the movie makes its point. Uh, anybody who says this film is certainly like a political parable, um, I think is absolutely spot on. I mean, I think this is a movie that's especially against you know soulless bureaucracy and kind of overseeing yes. these soldiers kind of literally being buried alive. So now, fine movie. Uh, can't say I ever want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but a very good film. Very impressed with with Reynolds. Um, I want to mention this briefly because it's it's a near great movie. And I mentioned this to you before the show. Uh, David Mamet's Homicide, which is available on Criterion. Um, it's not one of the great Mamet movies like like The Spanish Prisoner or Spartan. It's worth seeing because Joe Mantegna in the lead role is, in a word, breathtaking. It's an incredible performance. He plays a Jewish cop who is dealing with bigotry in the police force and in the world around him and dealing with his own bigotries against the Jewish people and how he has to basically come to terms with that to solve this case. Um, it has a terrific first, I think, hour or 80 minutes, and then it has an ending or rather a second and third act that just kind of teeter off. Um, but worth seeing because of Mantegna is so dang good in this film and as I mentioned to you this is the strangest use of a gag reel I've ever seen the, 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 <laughs> the Criterion DVD has a gag reel for this film you have to understand listeners like this is a movie about bigotry and neo-Nazism and racism and anti-Semitism and they've got gag reels it's, the gag reel is like 15 minutes long of like Joe Mantegna and, and William H. Macy like cracking jokes and like breaking character and like like totally cutting up from the camera but like I said I'm like it would be it would be as out of place in Schindler's List to see this so <laughs> it was so weird to see that as a DVD extra I didn't even know that. I didn't know that Mamet did a Spanish Prisoner. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites. I keep hoping that will be released on Criterion because I think that needs a Criterion release, frankly. Um, and I got two more. Um, Barton Fink. Uh, I revisited Barton Fink actually early this morning, and uh, I love Barton Fink. I really do. I think uh, along with Millis Crossing and Hudsucker and uh, and and Blood Simple, it's probably my favorite of the the Coen Brothers, especially the early stuff. Which just proves I need to get that Coen Brothers collection DVD because it's like it's it's almost all my favorite Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, you might might as well wait for the Blu-ray to hit though. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, and I certainly save this one, save one of the best for last. I got to finally see something I wanted to see when I was. A kid and I never got around to it. And now that Shout Factory re-released it, I finally got to see GI Joe the movie. Oh, it's such an G. awful Joe, movie. The animated movie. I gotta say, you know, I I, I have to disagree with you because like this is everything <laughs> I wanted from this movie. Everything. Okay. It opens up with with uh, the Statue of Liberty fact. Right? Oh my gosh! Like it. Well, it's like it's a mixture of a big full out Broadway musical number, yes. an action sequence. They're singing, and it's like this patriotic homage to all that is America. Um, I mean, it really did feel like like an animated version of like Team America, World Police. It was so <laughs> ridiculous, and like you know, like I mean, lyrically hilarious, especially because like they fit in Cobra. You know, yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Uh, it was it, yeah. Seriously, listeners, like go online and like watch the opening of GI Joe the movie on YouTube, or just see the movie. Um, the cartoon I, isn't as good. I, I, I've gone back and revisited the cartoon, and it's just such like Transformers. Yes, it's a toy cartoon, toy advertisement, but. There's still interesting story to be had there sometimes. G.I. Joe is just the same story every week. I don't know. 
know, I liked it. I mean, it was, it's a ridiculous story. I mean, it, ridiculous, preposterous is the word for it. But it's I, you know, GI Joe. So what do we really? It expect? is. It is. The characters are all very colorful and ridiculous and silly. When I was a kid, I heard that this is the movie where you get to see Cobra Commander without the visor on. And you, and you, <laughs> and you know, that's what, really why I want. Like, oh my god, yes. like really, you get to see him on the visor, and you do see him on the visor. And and I gotta say, I love that. Um, and, it's a little you know, bit of a cheat. But yes, it is a cheap. But what the heck? You got to see it. Um, it, you know, it, for me, like wow, that's something I'd want to see since I was like nine years old, or if not younger. Um, I have a soft spot for any movie that opens up with the credit Sergeant Slaughter as Sergeant Slaughter. There, okay, there is that because there it's like it's like that. starring you know John uh, Don Johnson as Lieutenant Falcon, and then it's like. Uh, Burgess Meredith as Galapagos or whatever the heck his character's name is, and then it's like Sergeant Slaughter as Sergeant Slaughter. Like this, this is my kind of movie. So, so anyway, totally nostalgic, completely silly. But like out of all those movies that are clearly meant to be nothing but toy commercials, like My Little Pony the movie, Transformers the movie, um, Transformers was good. It's better I, than I, the Michael Bay film. It's better than Michael Bay film. Um, I think the the Weird Al Yankovic scene kind of kills it for me, honestly. Fair I, I think that is just so ridiculously silly. But what are we talking about? I mean, of course, of course, it's silly. Yes. Um, but I mean, out of all those animated toy obvious obvious movies that are nothing more than toy commercials, the Care Bears movies and Pound Puppies the movie and GoBots, um, I think this is my favorite. Yeah. So cool. I I freaking loved GI Joe the movie, but not uh, not because it's great art, but because it's great kitsch. It's great fun. Fair so. enough. Fair. And you know, and you brought up Sergeant Slaughter. That reminds me of, of on this week's Tosh Point uh, Have you ever watched that? Yeah, show? that's a great show. Did you watch this week's? No, I did not. Uh, the, the Web Redemption was for a, an adult man who was uh, at a wrestling event. And he started breaking down and crying because the wrestlers meant so much to him. I did see that, and then Tosh like dressed up in the wrestling. As the gear. ultimate, warrior. I did see that. Yes, yes. And then I, out came Coco Beware, the Million Dollar Man, Sergeant Slaughter. That's, that's right. What sparked that's me on right. This. I'm like, yeah. It's such. It's so clear the guy, the man loves pro wrestling. An like, '80s pro wrestling, yeah. like like Iron Sheik and, and Hulk Hogan and Roddy <laughs> Piper so and funny. Captain Will Bano. Yeah, like that level of. Yeah, man, this it must be my birthday. I get to get to completely be self indulgent today about all there you this go. all this cheesiness. So. Yes, well, I'll, I'll get back to TV shortly, but I might as well get the two movies out of the way. Okay. Um, for Valentine's, we watched Burlesque. Well, happy Valentine's to you, Dave. My gosh, you watched Burlesque on Valentine's Day. I, I, it's it's jaw droppingly awful, and I say that not you know, oh that was so bad my jaw was dropped. No, literally, my jaw was dropped. At, no. So really? the music's no good? The music isn't bad. Okay. Um, Christina Aguilera can absolutely sing. As an actress, she's an outstanding singer. <laughs> um, Cher plays the world's oldest burlesque singer. <laughs> Stanley Tucci is essentially there to tell Cher how awesome she is the whole movie through. Wow. And, and you know, they'd totally get married if not for the fact that he was gay. And um, it's just so awful. Uh, I think Peter Gallagher plays her ex-husband. Okay, so there are straight characters in this movie. Yes, yes. Because the way it was described to me, I mean, it really did sound like, you know, and, and you know, again, nothing wrong with that, but it, it sounded like... Well, I'm not gay enough for this movie. Well, it sounded like there, like there were no straight people in this movie. Like, I, I, it sounded like the whole movie was, like, cross-dressing and stuff, so I wasn't sure if there were, like, any straight characters in Oh, this it film, gets so. better. Uh, Alan Cumming is in it, it for about five minutes, has, like, three lines. Five minutes? Yeah. He's great. Why was he in the movie... I don't know. Poor I just, guy. I don't understand. Um, there are scenes, you know, there's no really no nice way to put this. Uh, Christina Aguilar looks like a transvestite clown hooker. It's like she did in the in the Moulin Rouge video 10 years worse, ago. Worse, I the, think. The, really worse than yeah. the Lady Marmalade video? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, seriously, looks like a guy dressed as a girl with the clown makeup Because she looked like Dee Snyder from, like, Twisted Sister in that video. So worse than that. I think so, yes. Wow. 
Um, but to be fair, the musical numbers are good. And when I say that I'm not gay enough for this movie, let me be very clear. That's not meant as, as a disparaging remark or anything. This movie found a way to have scantily clad women dancing across the screen and ha- screen and have it not be any kind of bit steamy at all whatsoever. That well, that's a really good point because uh, you know, like let me, let me put, it's the pageantry and the flamboyance and the. Well, let me put it this way: like I've heard certain Viking epics described as great gay movies that I would like I find boring, but like you know, it has its appeal elsewhere. No, so I think I think there is something to be said for that. How was Kristen Bell in this? No good. Oh my gosh! Do you remember her in it? Or? Oh, I remember her in it. Oh boy, do I. <laughs> the funny thing is that Christina Aguilera calls her a, a crossdresser at the beginning, and it's like later in the movie, it's like, why, why did you say calling that? the kid a black? Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: yeah. the the weaknesses in the film. Yes, Aguilar is an awful, awful actress. This movie will do for her acting career what Glitter did for Mariah Carey and what Crossroads did for Britney Spears, as far as I'm concerned, as far as their acting careers go. But the script is god awful. I mean, there are after school specials with more depth than this movie. Shoot, and the directing's no good either. So I mean, more than the, yes, Kristen Bell isn't awesome in it. And had I seen the movie last year. She would have been on my list twice between that and when in Rome. <laughs> oh man, man! But the, the 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 problems with the film aren't the you know, it's just really bad direction and an awful script. Wow, you know, as an alternative to this film, let me just throw this out really quick. I want to like give a heads up to like two movies that are. Um, cater for a gay audience and there are cross-dressing musicals and that's Hedwig and the Angry Inch and The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yes. I'm going to throw those out to our listeners to go, they don't like those kind of movies. No, no, no. Dave and I like those kind of movies when they're good. When they're And those movies are really, really good. But clearly Burlesque is, is not though, on that level. Here, here's the thing though. Burlesque about a half hour into it crossed over from being just jaw-droppingly awful to flippin' hilarious. 30 minutes in. Probably, around 30, 45 minutes in, yeah. The, the, there was no reason for this movie to be two hours long. There was no it's reason. It's two hours? Yes. I didn't know it was two hours. Yes. Holy crap. But it gets hilarious. Like, essentially, we're making jokes about, all right, next ne- ne- next tired, old retread, take a shot. You know, we do our virtual shots. You're know, like, oh, look, there that happened. You know, I mean, you'd be drunk a half hour into this movie. Can you, Have you seen Showgirls? Can you compare the two? No, I have not. not. Okay, okay. I've been kind of avoiding that. So yeah, well, I'm not going to tell you to run out and see Showgirls, but I've I've heard it compared to Burlesque, so I'm just curious. I, you know, I, I can't see how it'd be any worse than this. <laughs> uh, well, and and here's why I wanted to lead off with this movie because I did go out and find a copy of My Soul to Take to watch. That's Craven's new film, and I couldn't go quite as far as you guys calling it the next Troll Two because it just okay. wasn't as bad as Burlesque. Okay. Like, like the bar had been set so high, relatively speaking. <laughs> Burlesque ruined you, yes. Yes. However, that movie was awful. That, like, it doesn't explain a daggum thing in this movie. It makes yeah. zero sense. Yeah. They kill the first kid, what, 12 minutes into the movie? 12 seconds in the movie, yeah. It's, it's like the opening scene where the dad's looking in the mirror and having that conversation. Oh, no, no, no. Him. I'm talking about the first kid. Oh, I'm sorry. Um... Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I checked the time on it. I'm like, wow, that was quick, and I have no idea what the heck's going on. Maybe they'll explain it. How silly of me to even think that would happen. Did you like the the, Calo, the California condor scene in the classroom? <laughs> that actually was pretty funny. I thought that was actually hilarious. <laughs> like, it just got so out there. It's, it's they Because they went with it and sold it, that scene worked for me. Sure, yeah. Because it was just, what the f- <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if, if Craven knew he was making a comedy or like, you know, he thought like, well, I'm just going to have all these broad scenes of comedy in between. But like it, it, it's hard to tell what's intentional or unintentional or if any of it was intentional. Yeah. And, and here's what this movie taught me, really. Um, if you have a physical disability, you will survive unless you're also a minority, then you're screwed. 
You know what's so cruel about that, Dave? Is that like he crawls up the guy's window, hides in his closet, and is still murdered. Like this movie has like no pity at all for like like poor guys. Like he's probably the one African American in the entire town. You know, so you know he's being discriminated against. Plus, he's blind. And then, like, I mean, like, he climbs up the guy's, like, like he climbs up through his window, hides in his closet, is stabbed, and, you know, and he has, like, the obligatory death scene. And, and, and let's blame the blind black. Kid. Yeah, exactly. Really? Gotta bl- really? Yeah, blame him for all the... Yeah, now, oh, now here so was, stupid. Do we really want to get into spoilers on this? Sure. Okay, sure. Here's, my, here's where the movie completely and utterly lost me. And that was at the end, um, you know, okay, there's a bad soul. One of the kids has a bad soul. Right. So when you take care of that at the end, shouldn't that still be the bad soul? Not, oh, suddenly I'm my buddy. No, it should have been his buddy was pretending to be his buddy, but was actually the bad guy. Hmm. If one of them's supposed to be the bad soul. We're giving it too much thought. You know, this is more thought than Wes Craven gave the film. Exactly, so. exactly. Oh, and 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 the, the prayer changes thing sign was just, wow. I can't believe that Craven wrote this film. You know, like I understand him directing, because <laughs> he's directed bad films before, but the fact that he actually wrote this movie is just so depressing. Because he wrote Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which yeah. I think is a brilliant film. It is, it is. But yeah, no, not so much on this one. No, no, no not at all, not at all. Yeah. I, you know, there were worse. Red Eye was good. You know, you know, there were worse films that came out last year, but I think this is one of the most crushing disappointments of last year, just because like it, it looked like it could have been a classic, and not even and, close. Uh, no, I think it's a classic for reasons that they did not intend. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, double it up with the room, and you're good to go. I would say double up with Shocker because I think that's the other like terrible Wes Craven movie. So watch Shocker and My Soul to Take Back to Back because they're actually really similar in some ways, and you've got a you've got a really fun night. All right then. Well, I'll move on to the TV real quick so we can get on with the episode. I'll get okay. the one thing that I saw that was very disappointing out of the way. I decided, you know, I'm not going to hold Blue Harvest against this the Family Guy Star Wars trilogy. I watched something something Dark Side, and I'm done. There, there were a few spots where I laughed, but it's just so random. It's too random. So more of the same. They they have um they have at the ad you know, scary yeah, storm, yeah. and you know, they got the shot of the ad and the ad and the, and one of them is wearing the clogs. Hmm. You know, like I forget, I forget what they're called. Well, like yeah, like well, the the, the Crocs. shoes. The Crocs. Oh, Crocs. They're yeah. wearing Crocs as they're walking. Yeah, yeah. One. Oh, that one's wearing Crocs. Sits there like really. I, uh, mm. Robot Chicken did it so much better. It's not even close. I tend to really like Robot Chicken. When I, even when I see like one episode or a whole episode, they just tend to be funnier and really take chances. Whereas like Family Guy, it really does feel like they rely so much in that kind of random free association humor that like there's there's nothing to really hold on to. There's no characters to like. I think Stewie is is done. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, two more things real quick. We finished the second season of Eureka, mm. which that show keeps getting... After the first season, it really is Disaster of the Week. But the second season really builds more character with every disaster too and really finds ways to really broaden the film and really flush it out, broaden the show and flush it out. And I'm really enjoying it a lot. I can't wait to get to the third season. It ended on a heck of a two-parter. It was outstanding. Mm. And then we're watching the sixth season of Supernatural, which is, you know, for a, a season that wasn't even supposed to happen because the story, the original five-year plan was finished last year. They're really taking the show in very interesting places, and it's a fun show, but it's also dark, as you've discovered when you've watched the one episode right. you did. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's about not it. for the kitties. No. Oh, no. It is not your typical CW show. <laughs> no, it is, it is definitely not. I can attest to that. <laughs> Which is why we like it. Anyhow, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about what hit theaters this past weekend. Currently, the number one movie in America, and you know what? I love that Jason Statham is being punished for making mediocre movies, but... Liam Neeson is currently one of the number one action stars in the world. Unknown, currently the number one movie in America with $21 million. Huge for that movie. 
Nice. Good for you, Liam Neeson. Number two, <laughs> I am number four, which is now number two. And you know what? So Ethan made it. the joke, and it, it worked Ethan out. Ethan ended up being very prophetic that week. Yeah, yeah. like uh, <laughs> this movie, it made $19 million in its opening weekend. It's already perceived as a flop because not only did it have an underwhelming opening, but more importantly, it did not connect with its core audience. Apparently, this movie tested really badly, and people are not liking it. So it's definitely not the calculated, you know, Twilight with Aliens movie that Michael Bay... <laughs> this is a Michael Bay film. He produced it. Mm-hmm. It's not the film that he wanted it to, to be, so... So good. Goodbye. I am number four. Also opening uh, to actually pretty pretty strong box office, uh, disappointingly enough. Uh, Big Mamas, like father, like son. It didn't take number one. Yeah, no, it did not. It made $17 million, though. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty dang good for, for a sequel that nobody wanted or even... I'm, I'm not even aware that everybody is even aware this movie's out. So Yes. Um, opening limited release, you got The Vanishing on 7th Street. This is the new film from Brad Anderson, the director of, uh, let's see, The Machinist, as well as Session 9. It's a thriller starring Hayden Christensen, 10 Newton and John Leguizamo look kind of odd um, I actually was invited to a screening of it I watched the trailer and I said no I'm not going to go to Denver <laughs> to see that it's about killer shadows I don't know might, might be good might be good <laughs> hey we're looking forward to a movie about a killer tire so this is true yeah that, well, that looks like a great movie and then also in very limited release um, this is a, about a about frat pledging gone bad this is brotherhood in fact I'll just throw this out. Uh, one of my best friends from high school, Lena, her cousin did the music to this movie. So, hey, six degrees of separation right there. There you go. There her you cousin go. Danny did the music to Brotherhood. So, check out Brotherhood. <laughs> All right. Okay, then coming to home video this week. Coming this week on DVD, Megamind, the blockbuster animated film with uh, Will Farrell and Tina Fey, among other people. Weed season six. Uh, I think most people would agree with this assessment. The disappointing due date with Robert Downey Jr. and, and Zach. Let's see if I say it right today. Galifianakis? Yes. Wow. Holy you crap. You can teach an old dog wow. new tricks. Right there. Yeah. 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 That's what you get for that. Well, well, well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Wow. It only took me like, what, five years to get his name right? Um, get Low with uh, Bill Murray, Robert uh, Robert Duvall, and Sissy Spacek and Lucas Black. I like this film a lot. Yeah, it's at the, at the top of my queue right now. So I think it's a very good. Lower your expectations, but it's yeah. a good film. It's kind of a moody Coen Brothers kind of film. So okay. just be in the mood so for something like that. So don't expect secondhand lions? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, it's it's so low key. Like, don't watch it if you're sleepy. Okay. I'd say like drink like have some chocolate nearby. It's you know, chuck some Red Bull, Bull and then you're yeah. Good. I, okay. I think it's a lovely film, but no question. I mean, like it it it's it's slow. Let's just say it. It's it's a slow film. But Fair Murray enough. Murray and Duvall are terrific. Um, one of the films that I swear, like every girl I knew in the '80s loved this movie, and I've never quite understood the appeal. But the Last Unicorn is now available. <laughs> I guess it's been re-released. Woo-hoo! It's been on DVD for a while, but it's finally coming to Blu-ray. Blu-ray, yes. So two disc Blu-ray and DVD combo. This, of course, uh, has the voices of Mia Farrow and Jeff Bridges in it. it. It's you know, it's not bad. It's it's pretty. It's got songs by America in it that <laughs> it really doesn't need at all. <laughs> but beyond that, it's it's cute. It's pleasant. Um, what else we got? On Blu-ray, you've got 48 Hours, Walter Hill's excellent, excellent buddy cop thriller with uh, Eddie Murphy and uh, and Nick, Nick, <laughs> Nick Nolte. It's, uh, it's a lot edgier than you remember, um, but it's quite funny and really good. I mean, Walter Hill makes great movies. Fish Tank. This is a movie Dave and I really wanted to see when it came to the Denver Film Fest. We never got around to it. No, I certainly didn't. I missed it. Um, I tried to get a screener and it just didn't happen. Same here. But, you know, it's like for me, it's the same thing with Uncle Boon May. Like, yeah. I, like I've tried to see this thing and like the screener I was given uh, didn't work. It was on a screening, I think, the same night as Black Swan, I think. So yeah. it wasn't going to happen. Anyway, Fish Tank is supposed to be really, really good. Um, All-Star Superman. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm about a half hour into it and wondering what the hell I'm watching. Oh, no. 
I'm not sure I'm going to give it to finish, but... Shoot. So full diagnosis next week. Stay yes. tuned. Yes. Shoot. Well, that's disappointing. Um, what else we got? Also available on Criterion, Senso from 1954, and The Sweet Smell of Success. Yes. Classic film. Kings of Pastry, documentary about these chefs who go out of their way to, to appease our sweet tooth. Supposed to be quite good. I've heard good things about that one. Uh, Mezzarine, Killer Instinct Part 1 with Vincent Cassell. I've heard that's an excellent crime movie. And then finally, man, the movie that needs no introduction, we're going to give it one anyway. Truly, it's been referred to as The Room of 2010. Birdemic, Shock and Terror, finally making its way to DVD. Oh, yeah, that, that needs to go in the Netflix queue. I'm dying to see Birdemic. Marty has saw it and said, like, you got to see Birdemic. So. Nice. Yep. I cannot wait. Good right stuff. On. Cool. Let's go ahead and move into some news. I'm going to kick off with a story since I, I to- totally forgot about this till we were talking about that Julia took you to see Robocop. Detroit is getting a RoboCop statue. How cool is this? <laughs> yeah, uh, Keith, uh, Keith Garcia, who who hosts the Watching Hour film series, you know, who who hosted RoboCop this week, he basically kind of laid out the story for all of us. I, I knew this. Julia didn't know this. A lot of people in the audience weren't aware of this. But yeah, like like the 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 brief version of the story, and I'm sure geeks, you all know this story. But what happened was, uh, let's see, somebody suggested that there be a RoboCop statue in Detroit, and apparently the mayor was like, no, that's inappropriate. RoboCop's this this symbol of violence. And it's from a violent movie and a movie that depicts Detroit in a violent way. Who would fund this thing? Well, apparently a Kickstart account popped up and now $50,000 has been raised yep. for a Robocop like a statue. Seven foot tall. <laughs> awesome Robocop awesome. statue. So, and, and apparently, like the last, the latest update that I came across was that even if City Hall does not post its Robocop statue up front, like a la like the, like the Rocky Balboa statue. Someone's got a spot for it already. Exactly. There are some nonprofits, arts institutes that will will happily host the RoboCop statue. So RoboCop is coming to old Detroit again. So That's awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> so cool. And of course, and this is the same week too that, that MGM announced that apparently they're going to try to push forward the RoboCop remake with or without Darren Aronofsky. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a without, but yeah. That's a real shame because with, I had hope without. None. None. <laughs> yeah. None was, especially seeing it again. It's like, no, this movie was brilliant once. There's a reason RoboCop 2 and 3 are not mentioned in the same Sentence of yes. adoration. So. Yes, paragraph, story, whatever you want to say. Yeah, not, or RoboCop, the animated series, or the live action series. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, that, yeah. Uh, depression. Let's subside it. What, what have you got, sir? <laughs> well, you know, Dave. Uh, sometimes dead is better. Uh, so says Stephen King in Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. According to ArrowInTheHead.com, one of my favorite sites, uh, it is official. Paramount will be remaking Pet Cemetery. Um, I'm very much against this because the original Pet Cemetery, I think, is, I'll go as far to say this, I think it's one of the scariest movies ever made. It came out in 1989. It is a fearless, incredibly violent, shocking, disturbing, no-holds-barred, numbing, terrifying horror film. The kind that you don't see anymore. Now it's these PG-13, you know, teeny bobber movies. But Pet Cemetery is the real deal. I mean, it is a hardcore horror movie. So you're saying you don't want to see the PG-13 cut of this movie? I don't. <laughs> I do not. Uh, the, the original was scripted by Stephen King, who based it on his novel, and it's very faithful to his book. Um, it's not a perfect film. There's Some of the performances could have been stronger, um, but it, the original starred Denise Crosby, and I think in one of his best performances, Fred Gwynn from The Monsters, who was amazing in the nice. film. And little Miko Hughes, of course, who 
was the kid in the scary kid in West Graves New Nightmare. Um, I don't want to gush too much about the original Pet Cemetery because, like, as, like I said, it's not a perfect film, but I think as a horror movie goes, you can't do any better. And if anything, if you look, pet, like the same director, Mary Lambert, made Pet Cemetery Two, which was terrible. So clearly, once is enough. You don't need to go back to the cemetery twice. But yes. Paramount disagrees with me. So Pet Cemetery, the remake coming soon. Oh, that's just so sad. Uh, I, I guess we should talk about the trailers that either the other one has not seen yet. Okay. So we have the. U.S. version of the I Saw the Devil trailer that came out. I saw the just pure Korean version that had no subtitles or anything, and I thought it looked good. With the few su- with the few story cards they brought up kind of laying out what the story is, this movie just jumped to number one for anticipated movie of the year, easily. I cannot wait to see this film. Wow. Everywhere it's shown, South by Southwest, Fantastic Fest, uh, TIFF, uh, Sundance, everywhere. It's been blow- It's just been blowing people away left and right, and I cannot wait to see this movie. Excellent. Excellent. Well, hope it's... Hope it- Hope it, li- hope it lives up to the hype. It's brutal. The trailer is brutal. Hmm. It's a red band trailer, and sometimes you see a red band trailer, and it's like, oh, why was that red? Oh, they said shit. Right. Big deal. <laughs> this right. No, this one earns it all the way. Like, yeah. like the trailer should be rated R. You know? <laughs> so I cannot wait to see this. Yeah, because right. I don't know what it is about the fascination with vengeance that Koreans have, but the 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 real getting in behind the meat of it and the way it affects the human condition it's just it's second to none it is a genre out there the vengeance but you know we love our vengeance movies too I mean the new Liam Neeson movie you know and just about everything Jason Statham does I mean yeah we we you know we're all about but it's still, but the 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 American movies and you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right there because we're gonna talk about that one because we're gonna be discussing the vengeance trilogy this fairly soon okay so we'll all talk right. about that later all right we're moving on uh, trailer that uh, Dave did not see but I saw uh, they released the Apollo 18 trailer and I gotta say I was very intrigued. Um, on one hand, I mean, it's, you know, the, the gist is that it's, you know, astronauts on the moon mission who uh, go apparently a little crazy or encounter an alien uh, presence or or don't. We don't know. Um, it's kind of like making Moon as an overt horror film. What makes the trailer look especially good or makes the movie look especially good from the trailer is that it, it looks like it really is capturing the look and feel of the NASA footage, which is really exciting. I mean, it, That's it does cool. it does look quote unquote as authentic and as realistic as you'd hope. Um, what may not work again? Like I think this may be one of those ideas that works better in theory, um, especially because Moon. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Duncan Jones's film really did. It, it really is one of the definitive films about being captured about being trapped in a space that is that isolating and that lonely and that uh, psychologically demanding that caused you to kind of break down and, and question what it is and isn't real. Um, so it, it, it could be a really special film. It may end up being like a total stunt, but the trailer certainly was very intriguing. Okay, so cool. And, the, and speaking of intriguing trailers, we don't do video game news here, but a trailer got released this week that is astounding. I will say it's better than most film trailers I've seen over the past year. And that'd be the trailer for a game called Dead Island. And I made you watch it before the film, before we started recording. This is a film that uses music to beautiful effect. It is heartbreaking. It is pulse pounding. It, it, it pretty much gives you just about the whole gamut of emotions that's not happiness. <laughs> you know, it sells the concept of the game extremely well. And I, like we talked about it, like the game itself may not even. I don't see how could possibly to living up to it. And, you know that may be the case, but uh, no, I mean you're right. It, it's uh, it is very cinematic, and it certainly sold its concept beautifully. And in and the concept of the trailer, which I won't give away, I thought was uh, pretty ingenious because I've never seen anything quite like that before. Yeah, yeah. The game actually, if you are a zombie player, a zombie game player like Left for Dead or Dead Rising or stuff like that, this is not going to be that game. Obviously, this isn't you know load up with ammo and go hunt and use some zombies. 
This is from what I've been reading. There are a few guns on the island and even less ammo, so you get to use whatever you can and hide. You're essentially trying to just survive. I like it when zombie movies or zombie stories or, you know, zombie tales in general just have an actual narrative and a plot to go through. Because I find a lot of these zombie, most zombie movies, like, it's just an excuse to do really awful things to people. But, like, it's okay because they're zombies. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, the movie's basically about people mutilating people. But it's okay because they're undead people. Um, but when they have heart or they have, like, some kind of, you know, something more than just simply, like, how can we slice this person's head in two. Yeah, this seems like The Walking Dead, the video game, essentially. And I, I, you know, I forgot to mention that. I've read all six hardcovers now, so the first 12 softcover volumes, trade paperbacks, and it has the same feel. I mean, this is, this is some deep stuff. It's how do people deal with being in such an odd situation and being trapped, and are they going to snap? Are they going to really, are, are they going to rise to what we aspire to as humans in being civil? How do you react to the people who aren't? It's just... It's depressing as depressing can be, but it's so good. So, yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, let's see. Well, um, <laughs> interestingly enough, I've mentioned that I just watched this recently. Um, a story appeared on MTV News, of all people. And I don't go to MTV News, just for the record. <laughs> but uh, this this is where Come I found Come on, you're a Kurt story. Loder fan. We know it. I was. I, you know, yes, I am a Kurt Loder fan. I'll, I'll watch Kurt Loder over anything else, quote-unquote, live in reality on that station. Yes. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Way. I'm just being a smart because I think he's pretty cool, too. I like, yeah, I grew up on Kurt Loder. Um in an interview that was done two, uh, three years ago now, I mean, I can't believe like this news didn't like travel wider. But apparently, in an interview they were giving while they were talking about a serious man, the Cohen brothers revealed that they have every intention. This is not speculation or just talking about it. They are going to make a sequel to Barton Fink, and they're going to call it Old Fink, and it's going to be how Barton Fink grows up. Uh, well, grows up, obviously. Well, he's like still in the Hollywood scene, and it's about how he's. This it's going to take place in the '60s, and it's going to be Barton Fink basically ratting out his friends, uh, you know, to, to McCarthyism, and kind of dealing with the guilt of that. Um, and That's basically, interesting. all they're doing is waiting for John Turturro to get older. That is a direct quote. They're waiting because they're saying like, yeah, we could like raise hair, or whatever. But they're really waiting for John Turturro to get older. And the MTV interviewer, I, I don't know if it was Loader, but he said like, how much older? They're like, well, he's almost there. So, you know, within the next 10 years, we might get this movie, might be longer, but they're going to to make Old Fink, the sequel to Barton Fink. And I suspect that because it's not a sequel to, like, The Big Lebowski, people aren't going to, like, jump on and be like, oh, my God, they're going to have the dude come back. Because let's face it, you know, Barton Fink is not The Big Lebowski. There's no (laughs) No. Barton Fink action figures, though there should be. But uh, I I would buy the John Goodman action figure. As would I, especially with the little little head in the box. Yes, yes, <laughs> but, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I can't be. I love Barton Fink, so I, I can't be more excited about this. Nice. Do you have anything else? I've got one story, but I want to save it for last. Uh, I have two more. Uh, the Shane Black thing. Yes. Yeah, Shane Black officially now. This is not speculation. He is officially making Iron Man three for Marvel. This could be interesting. It could be. You know, I think the match is is good not only because we mentioned because the chemistry he has with Downey Jr., but also because. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was such a cheap film and Marvel obviously you know they're famous they like to do things on the cheap cheap right so maybe like this is just a good idea in general just so you know Iron Man 3 is not going to be a 300 million dollar you know bonanza yeah yeah I I think Shane Black is a good pick I do too Um, I think it's going to be interesting I'm really trying not to expect Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because obviously that's not PG-13 yeah 
but I think it is going to have a lot of that rise sense of humor in it. If it's a character-driven comedy the way I think the many many aspects of the first film is, then I'd be very happy. Or even if they finally go to the demon in the bottle stuff, that could be mm. the perfect match. It could, and Black has the edge for that. I mean, for Pete's sake, I mean, that's what his Lethal Weapon movies, the first one at least, the, the first Lethal Weapon movie is all about that, about how Riggs is, you know, suicidal and, and you know, almost over the edge, so, yeah. That could be interesting. And the la- I'm sorry, the last one I had, uh, I thought that was really interesting. Variety, Variety.com put this out, and I love Variety. Um, they were talking about basically what's been going on with Tron Legacy at Disney. On one hand, the film, it just made $170 million, which by most reports, that's how much the movie cost. Um, so it broke Ouch. even. Good. Um, but it made so much money overseas, in addition to all the Tron Legacy CDs, soundtracks they've been selling, that it's been enough to you know to, to push the sequel forward. So, so ultimately, there probably will be a sequel. Um, on the other hand, Disney was going like this. This movie is both something of a minor hit, but also something of a bit of a disappointment. And what I thought was especially interesting was a report that they did. I don't know. They, I always hear about these surveys and go like, why didn't they knock on my door? I certainly didn't wasn't involved in this survey. Like I don't know anybody who was. But apparently, Disney did a very thorough survey, and they found that more than half, if not most, of the audience for Tron Legacy was over the age of 25. So this is a movie that they wanted. Shocker. I know. But I thought this was interesting because they really wanted this to be a family, like a Disney family movie. You know, they really, I mean, you know, I, if you've been to Toys R Us like I have, you've seen like the, the Tron Legacy Isle. You know, I mean, they really pushed this movie to be like the family f- holiday event film. But no, it was mostly guys like Dave and I mm-hmm. who went to see the film more than once or, you know. Um, so really, it is a movie that found its geek audience but really kind of stayed with the geek audience. It didn't break through. So this is like... It basically became like the Scott Pilgrim of 2010. You know, it found that audience, but it didn't really go beyond it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so. interesting. Hmm. And then this last bit, I think might we might talk about it a little bit. We might just mention it, talk about ramifications, and just crap it out and go to a break. But um, Criterion, it, here's a shock. We love us some Criterion goodness. Oh yeah. Uh, they have just announced this week a move. For their streaming, they for if you have Netflix, watch instantly. You'll notice that a good chunk of their catalog is available for watch instantly. Uh, those are all going to be disappearing by the end of the year because they made the announcement that they are moving over to Hulu Plus for all their streaming. That's so disappointing. Um, there's a good side and there's a downside to this. One of the upsides is first of all, there's going to be a specifically a Criterion section of Hulu Plus, which is kind of cool, and there you're also going to be able to stream bonus features. Hmm. Wow. The downside, it's on Hulu Plus. <laughs> do I have to pay for Hulu Plus? Yes, you do. Okay. So here, here's the kicker. I, I've, I've been reading a lot of the, the, the reaction from their customers, and it has been overwhelmingly negative. There are people saying, come on, Hulu has 40 million users, and, and Netflix only has 20 million. Actually, that's 40 million free view users. Uh, they're expecting, so they're not even at 1 million people doing Hulu Plus. Hmm. I, I'm not going to pay money. I'm not going to pay for Hulu. No, I mean, I'm paying for Netflix, and I love Netflix, and I don't want to go back to Hulu. I mean, for me, it's like it's like the difference between VHS and DVD. Yeah, well, so you, have, you have the fact that, that Hulu's streaming is subpar, to be very kind. Yes, it is. Um, the, the, the quality of the video and audio. And then you've also got the fact that even though you're paying 8 bucks a month for Hulu+, Plus, so you're paying a subscription, you still get ads. I don't care if it's a 5 or 10 second ad before the movie. It's still an ad. If I'm paying money, I want squat for ads. Right. So this, I, I it doesn't mean I'm going to quit supporting Criterion because you know what? you can still rent the discs from Netflix for all that stuff, and you could buy these amazing discs too. Yeah. Exactly, but I, there's no way I'm going to go this right. I don't think. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Dave. Like, it's it's tricky because, like you, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say anything remotely negative in the direction of Criterion because, like, you know, we bow to the altar of Criterion on yeah, this totally. site. But uh, no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, like, you know, this it just feels like you know they're they're it would be like them only being affiliated with like MySpace, you know. <laughs> like seriously, it's yeah. so it's so backwards. I mean, like you know, and and I hate saying this because I'm not part. Of, I'm really not part of that computer geek thing. Like, no, it has to be new. It has to be shiny and great because we know that Netflix. You know, sometimes sometimes they're not streaming to full capabilities too. No. I mean, like like we're still in the infancy of this quality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, but no, I mean, for Pete's sake, I mean, like Hulu has its place being free and like to me, like the whole Hulu Plus thing to me is just. I, it's a direction I don't I don't care to, well, to explore. And what I think it was, as far as Criterion goes, was this was purely a business decision, and I can't fault them for that. Because I'm sure Hulu broke out the checkbook because they want to get seriously into this game, and they're like, you know, if we can get Criterion and do all this stuff, it might help us in the long run. So they probably gave them a significantly better deal than Netflix was giving them. I mean, one of the big qualms that Criterion has had with Netflix is that you can't search by Criterion. You can you, if you know the title of the movie you're looking for you can look it up but if you just yeah. do, do Criterion you don't get hardly anything coming up. Do you think they'll improve on that though? Because like you can't even search by actors now. I mean, do you think that maybe they'll get to that point where you look for directors and actors and? Well, you can do directors and actors and all that on, on Netflix. It's just you can't type in Criterion and get all their Criterion films in Netflix. Oh yeah, no, I mean, uh, I mean, just actually when you're on the actual on you know when you're on the not on the web page but when you're actually watching it you could like search by title. I mean, like do you think they'll ever? I don't know. Improve that all. I don't know. I'm. I just. I'm. I understand why they did it. I just will not be joining them for the ride. Is probably the best way to put that. You know what? What I think they should do. What they've been doing. This is just my opinion. But like, I liked that Netflix was the first. Like, they put Ink out yeah. immediately. They put Exit Through the Gift Shop out immediately. I think that's a really way, a great way to lure people in. But like, you know, trying to capitalize on one library catalog. I mean, that would be like them, like making, like, okay, we've got the Disney catalog and you can't get to it unless it's Hulu Plus. I think that's a way Disney to alienate would do people. It. Disney would do it, though. I know, and I, and I hope they don't. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no I, but that, that, that's the kind of name that would do it, but they don't have the money to, to do that to Disney, do yeah. with Disney. I, I don't know. I think this was a, if Hulu ends up folding soon, you know, the, the Plus service folds soon, I don't know what that's going to do to the streaming either. It just, mm. I don't understand outside of from the business perspective. From the business perspective, if they got more money and that means that they can get more films and put out more stuff and cuz they they evolved, they're also the first to admit streaming's nice but our bread and butter is the the physical formats releases. So, I don't know. I'm I'm disappointed is probably the best way to put it. Me too. Me too. It's criterion. I want them in the, you know, the trunk of a catalog, not a 1985 DeLorean. <laughs> you don't want them in a Yugo? <laughs> no, or a, or, a, or a Ford Pinto. No, I there do not. Yes, no. yes, a 1976 Green Gremlin with a pink racing stripe. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know why I just got that specific, but I did. All right, wow. I guess we should go ahead and take a, a bit of a break here in a second, but first... We do have a word from our sponsor, Audible.com. They are offering everyone a 14-day trial to check out their service. You get a free audiobook whether you keep the service or not, which is incredibly cool. Uh, I also found out they have Android and iPod uh, apps, so you can actually download the book to your mobile device and still keep it whether you keep the service or not. So this is just a really cool service that they have all together. Uh, we do have a couple of picks. There are over 85,000 to choose from. We don't have Ethan to do the Rick Springfield pick for the week. But what, what have you? What did you find this week, sir? Well, this week I found uh, a, a great book by Anne Rice. It's a big book, and it's worth listening to just to be read because it really is one of those great tales that you want to have read 
to you. Uh, Lindsay Krauss, gifted actress, star of uh, David Mamet's House of Games, reads The Witching Hour. The Witching Hour is uh, it is shocking. It is very erotic. It is certainly a bewitching supernatural thriller, if I were to go so far. It is. It is indeed bewitching. It's a great story. Lindsay Krauss reads and writes The Witching Hour. That's a great listen. Yep, and the pick that I found, uh, the cool thing, again, you know, I really do like Audible. There isn't just audiobooks where you have someone reading it. They also have dramatized radio plays, essentially, like radio nice. theater from back in the day. Yeah. And what I found was H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds, directed by John Delancey, Q, from Star Trek Next Generation, narrated by John Delancey, Megan Fay, Jerry Hardin, Gates McFadden, Leonard Nimoy, and Will Wheaton. <laughs> God. I'm, how do you go wrong with if this? If we even had that lineup at Starfest this year, I mean, do you know how many people would like be camped out at, at the at the Marriott like right now? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. So it, there's always something for you out there. I know a lot of people listen to podcasts while they're on the road driving to work or on their commute. Um, if you want something a little change of pace, definitely check out Audible. They've got some awesome stuff out there. If you want to do their trial, it's by all means do. It does help us. But, you know, we just really stand behind this no matter what. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash screengeeks. Grab your book and away you go. Uh, we will be right back and we're going to talk about what we think should win and what will win the Oscars next week. In 2005, the crack unit and the bloggers were banned by a web administrator for spam they didn't send. These men promptly created their own website in the cyberspace underground. Today, still wanting a place to discuss their fandom, they survive as bloggers of sci-fi. If you have a favorite show or movie, if no one else can understand you, and if you can type J-O-N-J-A on your keyboard, maybe you can find... Janja.net. At Janja.net, you can find discussions and reviews in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and everything in between, as well as exclusive interviews with some of your favorite celebrities and filmmakers. Join our forums now and subscribe to the Janja.net podcast. Everything is free, and everything is fun. We'll see you online at Janja.net. My name is unfortunately Rodrigo Cortez. I'm guilty of buried, and this is Screen Geeks Radio. And we are back. All right, um... Here it comes. We got to be honest, put ourselves on the line, and show just how wrong we're going to be next Sunday night. I'm just glad Ethan's not here to make fun of my love for Inception because I know, like, and, and Marty, Marty <laughs> feel. Thank you. I guess that'll that'll make up for it. Marty feels the same way as Ethan does. I want to make that very clear. Like, um, I think people who don't like the movie really don't like the screenplay. They really don't like the exposition-heavy dialogue. I like it. In fact, I love it. I think it's perfect for that film, if if not any other film. But uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just, my love for Inception is really going to come out today, so I'm haha, I'm glad that <laughs> it's going to, and it will remain an Inception love fest on my end. So. Okay, all right then. Start it we're, off. We're, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the ballot from Oscar.com, uh, so it's going to be really easy to follow along if you want to. I'm just going to start in the top left and work across a row every way and go from there, and we, we, we will see what happens. Um, yeah, wow, all right. Let's, wow, I have to get my clip already because we're already starting off with leading actor. That's All right. right. The That's nominees right. are going to be Javier Bardem in The Beautiful, Jeff Bridges in True Grit, Jesse Eisenberg in The Social Network, Colin Firth in The King's Speech, and James Franco in 127 Hours. This is a pretty solid category. It is, yeah. Um, okay, well, my pick, uh, I, I want Jeff Bridges to be the first person since Tom Hanks to win two Oscars two years in a row. So my, I, I think, no, rather, excuse me, I hope it'll be Jeff Bridges, but I think it's Colin Firth at this point. 
Yeah, uh, my my personal hope. I think I don't think there was a stronger performance than Jesse Eisenberg in The Social Network, hmm. just because of how different that performance is from everything he's done before. That's true. He really put himself out there. He really, you know, just kind of went nuts on it. But I do agree. Agree. I think it is going to end up going to Colin Firth, and there's one reason. There's one maxim that he followed. Never go for retard. Because <laughs> you you just never take that too far. Because um, the Oscars love anyone who portrays anyone with any kind of impediment, disability, disability anything exactly. like that. You're right. You're right. And yeah, yeah. and you know, I think that's why. And it's not to say that Colin Firth isn't a good actor. No, no, he's brilliant. I mean, honestly, I think he should have got it last year for uh, for Single Man. I really do. I really think that was the best actor performance he should have won for. But but you know, not enough people saw that film. But everybody is seeing The King's Speech. It's currently, it, I think, I would say even more so than Black Swan. It's finally surpassed and become like the most popular movie that's currently up for Best Picture. But we'll get to that. That's we'll so sad. That. That's so sad. So I, so yeah, so yeah yeah. I, but no, you know what? You're you're right, Dave. It's a very very strong lineup. I mean, I haven't seen Beautiful yet. I don't know if I'm ever going to see Beautiful. But uh, uh, James Franco and 127 mm-hmm. Hours. I mean, if if nothing else, his performance is is one of the best things about that movie. And Ryan Reynolds got snubbed. Yes, he did. He should have been nominated for Buried. I, I do agree with that. Yeah. All right, moving on to, wow, cinematography. We have, that. this is going to be a tough one. We've got Black Swan, Inception, The King's Speech, The Social Network, and True Grit. You know, I know everybody is showing intense love for True Grit to win the cinematography Oscar for obvious sentimental reasons. Um, but you know what? I, I really don't think there was a better film last year in terms of cinematography than Black Swan. I would give yeah. it to Black Swan. I really would. Interesting. Yeah. I, I actually am going to go with True Grit. Yeah, and, and that's what I think should win, and it's what I hope wins. And yeah, we will. I, again, I'm kind of happy with any of these on it. Well, no, except for the King Speech. <laughs> And I completely agree. What an ugly movie. It, but it did the trick. That's the it, thing. Yes, it was very yes. appropriate. It yeah. wasn't like that, you know, it was made that way on purpose, but it's not anything astounding. No, the, the framing wasn't all that interesting. The use of color wasn't all that interesting. It wasn't stylistically interesting. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, I love the way Inception was filmed, but I mean, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I'll go with Black Swan. But no, I, I agree with you about True Grit. I mean, there's a lot of iconic imagery. I mean, my, I, I've said this on the show. My favorite shot of the movie is where where Jeff Bridges looks down this dark tunnel, points the camera directly at the camera, and f- uh, uh, his gun directly at the camera and fires. It's this moment that, you know, pays tribute to the great train robbery. And it, it's just one of the many iconic Western visual moments in that film. It's about time that Deacon's got some love, I'm just saying. It's amazing that that man has not received more love from the Academy Awards. Absolutely, yes. A f- foreign language film. This is very interesting. We've got beautiful Dogtooth, which that one just kind of breaks my brain. Uh, in a better world... Oh goodness! Incendies and outside the law. I, I, I'm dog tooth for me. Um, did you see it? No, not yet, but I will. It's um, on watch instantly. Yeah, I, and I will watch it instantly. Um, yeah, you know, I just I've heard it's so shocking and mm-hmm. so original and just so different and just so startlingly difficult and 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 fresh and unique from everything else that's out there. I mean, I, I want to get behind a movie like that. I mean, for me, this is like this is the the nomination that Enter the Void should have got. I think. Yep. Yeah. I'm I'm really surprised the Academy did Dogtooth. I've watched about the first 20 minutes so far on Netflix. And it catches me kind of like 5150 Elms Way, just that really dark, gritty, it's almost an exploitation film. Yeah. And I love the fact that this film got nominated. Whether it wins or not, I love the fact that it got nominated. Cool. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess that Beautiful is going to win it, though, just because yes. it's Javier Bardem. Right. So, yeah, eating yogurt for two hours or whatever it is. <laughs> or is it cereal? <laughs> I haven't, I I haven't seen it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm ever going to see this one. I mean, this is the guy. He gave us Babel. Um, 
he does some really heavy-handed movies, mm-hmm. and I, and sometimes uh, like uh, did he also do Twenty One Grams? He might have. Sometimes his movies I think are really good and really strong, and sometimes they're just really just heavy-handed and depressing, and I think kind of one note. So I don't know if this is going to be one of his great ones or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, next up, we have got sound editing. We've got Inception. Toy Story 3, Tron Legacy, True Grit, and Unstoppable. I am all about Tron Legacy winning this. This is the only nomination Tron Legacy got. Look, tr- look, listeners, I know Tron Legacy is not Citizen Kane. I know that. But for Pete's sake, it is a technical marvel. This is the only thing it's up for. It deserves to win an Academy Award. Give it to Tron Legacy. You know it's going to be Inception, though. Yes. Inception okay. will get it. And you know, and, and, I, and I love the, the sound work in Inception, but for Pete's sake... It's hard to be upset about that, but you, you're like, I, I wish Tron would win it. But, yes, I know. want. I really do. I'm torn, but I want Tron to win this one. Yes. Well, this is a, this, this next one is a tough category to choose from. Uh, best Supporting Actor, we've got Christian Bale in The Fighter, John Hawks in Winter's Bone, Jeremy Renner in The Town, Mark Ruffalo in The Kids Are All Right, and Jeffrey Rush in The King's Speech. Jeez, that's tough. I will say Jeffrey Rush, this is the one nomination that I believe is fully deserved all the way through. He was amazing in that film. He was. Um, I did not see The Kids Are All Right, so that's the only one I haven't oh, seen from this list. Not not Mark Ruffalo's best performance. Nobody's best performance in that movie, but we'll get back to that. Um, gosh. I'll, I've got it narrowed down to two people. It's hard. I mean, I... I think Jeffrey Rush is going to get it. I think he's the popular favorite, just like the movie's popular favorite, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if John Hawks came in and swooped in and got it, he deserves it. If Jeremy Renner came in, that would be a real shocker. If Jeremy I Renner got it. I think Christian Bale deserves it. Christian Bale definitely deserves it. I mean, he just deserves an Academy Award, period. I mean, I think at this point, his body of work is so incredible. Um, and, and not just because of what he does to his body. It's it's the fact that he literally does dissolve into the character yeah, in a no, way that no one really does. You're right. Does. Yeah, he embodies these performances. I mean, I think he should have won the Oscar for Rescue Dawn years ago. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, it, it is long overdue. If Bale gets it, that's terrific. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rush steals oh, yeah. it. But yeah, if, if Renner or Hawks got it, I would be happy. This, this is a really strong category. Yeah, I, I honestly think if things go the way that they're saying, it's going to be Rush. Because um, he probably is the strongest performance in that film. If I, oh if yeah, I'm being no honest. question, no question. But I think Christian Bale is the best performance in that category, hands down. You know, it's just it's about freaking time. If you can't get nominated for playing Patrick Bateman, what <laughs> what are, what good are the Academy Awards? I mean, seriously, honor honor that kind of work. Yes. So. All right, now we have got our favorite category of the evening: costume design. <laughs> We've got Alice in Wonderland, I Am Love, The King's Speech, The Tempest, and True Grit. I will go out on a limb and say I don't care. <laughs> this is tough because these are movies that I'm so indifferent about. I mean, uh, to go back to Tron for a second, those were cool costumes. Yes. Um, True Grit, you know, the costumes were solid. Not all that exciting, but solid. You know, And there's no Elis- Elizabethan dramas this year. That's exactly. the problem. Yeah, so it's probably going to go to Alice in Wonderland, I- I'd imagine. That's um, not I Am Love? <laughs> <sighs> No. <laughs> see, and, and see, because it's such a toss-up, I actually can see the King's Speech winning this again. Is this it? This is the only thing I am love is up for, isn't yep. it? People so. love this film. This could this could be the surprise win of the night. Um, I mean, I I think True Grit will get it because again, it's it's attached to a you know popular favorite film that that's that could very well win Best Picture, but uh, or Alice in Wonderland. But I'm with you, man. I I really don't care. I don't think this is a good selection. I think it will be the King's Speech. You think it's going to be True Grit? Where the heck is Black Swan? Black Swan had amazing well, yeah. costumes. Yeah. Not just freaking ballerina tutus. I mean, really amazing costumes. Yes, this is true. 
Uh, next up, wow, talk about don't care or this one's really easy. Uh, makeup, Barney's version, The Way Back or The Wolfman. Where's Black Swan? Again, yeah. where's Black Swan? Yeah. Especially that ending. That Yeah, no joke, no joke. Um, I'm going Wolfman, that's pretty easy. Give it to Rick Baker, yes. Yeah. Um, I. What was the other one? It's The Way Back and what else? Barney's version. Barney's version, just because they put some 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 hair on, on Dustin Hoffman? No. Yeah, there you go. No! Um, yeah, I... <laughs> I, I don't see how they can't give it to the Wolfman because for Pete's sake, I mean, like, just look at the poster and you've got that's an ex- why the makeup category was for, made for your consideration exactly. Yeah, and and in the category was invented for Rick Baker for American Werewolf in London. So what the heck, give it to Rick Baker. Yeah, because there's nothing else better there. And I love it that this movie that you know really didn't set the world on fire is going to be the Academy Award winning The Wolfman. I love that. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, coming up next, we have got sound mixing, featuring the Inception, the King's Speech, Salt. The Social Network and True Grit. I think this one's got to go to Inception too. Thank you. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this belongs to Inception. Yeah. Uh, ooh, now we got to leading actress. All right. All right. Uh, we've got Annette Bening and the kids are all right. Okay. Uh, Nicole Kidman in Rabbit Hole, Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone, Natalie Portman in Blue, Black Swan, and Michelle Williams in Blue Valentine. I'd say it's between uh, it's between Jennifer Lawrence, which could be the surprise win, and Natalie Portman. And I say give it to Natalie Portman. Absolutely. Um, that is my personal pick to win. But again, I would not be surprised if Annette Benning or Jennifer Lawrence are the surprise winners. You don't Benning, think Michelle Williams has a shot? I wish she would because she is that brilliant in that movie. But uh, I don't. I think I think people have kind of cooled with their enthusiasm in this movie. You know, again, like it's it has nothing to do with who deserves to win. It's all about what the enthusiasm is for. It's a popularity contest, you yeah. know. And it seems like like Blue Val- Blue Valentine were like they were the cool kids walking the hallway because they were in seventeen for a little bit, right? And then like there are so it's like okay, they're not quite <laughs> as indie. I don't know, but uh, but Jennifer Lawrence still has all this heat, you know, and certainly people are still talking about her not only because she's like you know this this very beautiful young actress going to all these premieres but of course she's in the new X-Men movie she's in the Beaver for Pete's sake and then Annette Bening has never won the Oscar before she's brilliant she's been better than she's been in the Kids Are Alright she was good in the film but she's given better performances even as, as recent as five years ago but for Pete's sake Natalie Portman has been doing this since 1994 yeah I um, think she's got to win she's given great performances before never quite like this and we all know about the journey but you know more than anything the performance works and it's it's an unplayable character let's be honest yeah, who the heck else could play that character and make it and make it credible and sympathetic and believable? Christina Aguilera, that's who. Well, there you go. <laughs> that would I would like to see Black Swan starring Cher and Christina Aguilera. I would love to see that version of the movie. <laughs> Did you see the Jackass version? No, of Black Swan no. with Rip Taylor as as one of the characters. Oh yeah, I think Rip wow. Taylor was the mom. Um, Johnny Knoxville was Vincent Cassell. Yeah, oh, it's hilarious. Oh my gosh, we'll have to, I'll, I'll have to find. Yeah, it. I actually would like to see that. It is hilarious. Remind me after the show's over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Directing. This is a tough one too. Mm. Well, you've got so these are really our, our your 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 best picture nominees in reality. Right. Uh, we've got Black Swan, The Fighter, King's Speech, Social Network, and True Grit. I will say Ethan's pick was Fincher for The Social Network, and I would be okay with that win. Uh, I wouldn't. No, <laughs> I think I think he's done better. I really do. I, I I think the strength of that movie is the performances. Um, I don't think it's Fincher's. I think it's I kind of like David Russell's direction of the fighter. I don't think it's his most interesting movie. I don't think it's his most challenging movie. Uh, and and look, I mean, if this is the only time in his whole career that Fincher, you know, if this is the last time he's ever going to get a best director nomination, then yes, give it to him. But I mean, I really think Darren Aronofsky deserves this. I do too. 
I have this gut suspicion it's going to go to the King's speech. That would be a tragedy. I, a tragedy. The, the, the directing, let's see, directing, uh, supporting actress, cinematography, and best film. If the King's speech wins any of those, I'm going to be livid. I mean, I mean, let's let's break it down just a little bit, like. You know, directing. I mean, we gotta we gotta like be 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 cool about this because like directing isn't just about like coming up with these amazing sweeping visual scenes. And like, I don't mean to say that Tom Hooper is a bad director or that like directing. No. You know, The King's Speech was necessarily easier than Black Swan, though of course it was. Yeah. But uh, you know, in terms of like what David Fincher did with Zodiac or The Game or Seven versus kids in a room talking about the this internet. True. I mean, it's arguable. Is that harder because there's less to film or is it easier because it's not, you know, Michael Douglas in the back of a cab that's, that's sinking into the, into the water. Um, so, I mean, it, it really is kind of like, like, well, do you, do you honor the work? Do you honor the body of work? I mean, for me, it's honoring Darren Aronofsky, who was not nominated for Rec- Requiem for a Dream. He was not nominated for, you know, his, his previous contributions. And because I can't imagine Black Swan without him. I could see someone else directing the social network that's true. That's and doing true. a good job. That's true. I could my see, official pick is yep. actually Black Swan. Okay, yeah, Black Swan. That's that's my pick too. But I, I'm like you. I think it'll probably either go to David Fincher, who again I think has done better movies, or Tom Hooper, who I don't think deserves it. Okay, all right. And, and again, it's not to say that the King's Speech is not a good movie. It's just not in the same league as these. And same thing with the, the fighter. Like David O. Russell's nominated, right? And and, and I, we disagree on that one. I think it, it absolutely belongs up there. Okay, I I do disagree. I think he's I. I think he should have got it for uh, for for Three Kings, but we'll see. All right, next up is original score. Um, <laughs> how to Train Your Dragon? What really? That had music in it. Now, I, I, I think that, I so that got nominated over Tron Legacy. I just want to make sure this is this is right. <laughs> Man, okay. Uh, then we have Inception, The King's Speech, 127 Hours on the Social Network. I am going to say that we are going to finally have Nine Inch Nails winning an Oscar. Um, we do actually do have a sound clip of in- of the Inception score. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I, I will have it for the record that you did that. I did ask you to do that. was a request. Thank you. Um, no, I agree with you. 127 Tron- hours, the score didn't stick with me at all. No. Um, mm-hmm. King's Speech, there was a score? Yeah, I don't remember that. I, I, I think I noted in my review that it was a nice score, that it was a lovely score, but yeah, I, it, I, it hasn't stayed with me. And the Inception score is actually pretty good. I love the Inception score. That's that's my personal pick to win, um, but the Social Network score deserves it because it's brilliant and wonderful. Yeah. So, and I th- I think there's no question that it'll get it. And it's, that I it's see popular. That, and I see that freaking How to Train Your Dragon. Seriously, that that didn't get it. That got it, but Tron didn't. Yeah, you know what? Like people are trying to compare the Tron and Social Network scores. And I don't think that's two fair. different animals completely. Exact. Thank you. And I, I don't think it's fair to compare the two. But in terms of two scores that were enormously popular, that that were more than just music, and most people would say two of the best aspects about those movies. Um, yeah, the fact that that Tron, that Daft Punk was not nominated, I think is ridiculous. It's a crime. Yeah, <laughs> almost as big as a crime as Alice in Wonderland getting nominated for visual effects. Along with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, Hereafter, Inception, and Iron Man 2. There's a lot of nominees in that category, i got to say. But I, I will swap Tron out in a heartbeat for Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. In a heartbeat. Oh, no question. No question. <sighs> and what's going to win it? I'm, I guess I will say Inception. 
I think Inception will win it. My nostalgic, my, my personal pick, just because it's the only thing the movie's up for, and I think it's a fine movie, is Clint Eastwood's Hereafter. I thought the special effects were incredible in that movie. Um, but, I, you know, so I think Inception's going to win it, and I'll be very happy with that. But if anything steals it, I would love for Hereafter to get it because, again, it's the only thing it's up for, and the special effects in that movie were astonishing. There you go. All right. Oh, supporting actress. Let's, Here we let's, go. let's get the fight ready. We've yep. got Amy Adams in The Fighter. Okay. Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, okay. In The King's Speech. Yeah. Uh, Melissa Leo in The Fighter. Mm-hmm. Haley Brands Steinfeld in True Grit. And Jackie Weaver in Animal Kingdom. Tough, because I, I honestly have not seen Animal Kingdom yet, and I've heard it's extraordinary. So shame on me for not seeing that. Um, Amy Adams is fantastic in that movie, but so is Melissa Leo. So. Uh, <laughs> um, of the two, I would give it to Melissa Leo. I'm going Haley Steinfeld. Are you okay? Yeah, you and I disagree about this. I don't think it was that great a performance. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so my personal pick, I, I'd say I think Amy Adams has a chance to get it because I think she's she's outstanding. My pick, yeah, and she's outstanding, and she's currently like one of the most popular popular people who's up for it. I mean, you know, in terms of like a, just being a movie star, just being like somebody who people love and wanted to see give an award like three movies ago. Um, so I think Amy Adams would get it, but my pick would be Melissa Leo. All right, then. This is going to be interesting. Up next is documentary feature. We have got Exit Through the Gift Shop, <laughs> Gasland, Inside Job, Restrepo, Restrepo, Restrepo. Okay, Restrepo, and Wasteland. I love that Exit Through the Gift Shop is nominated. Yeah, I, I don't see how the movie could not win at this point. I really don't. I mean, it's it's popular. People are talking about it. It's now it's now an Oscar question. Is Banksy going to show up? I mean, they've already said no. I think. But you know, even like just to say like who is going to go up there and receive the Oscar? <laughs> what? Yeah, like seriously, this is this has become too much of an Oscar lore to to miss an opportunity like that. So I think actually the gift shop should win and it will win. I I I uh, part of me thinks Restrepo has a shot at it. It does because because yeah, cause it's, it's serious. It's it's yeah, it's it's a war film. So. Yeah, yeah, it, it has more to do with the the. the traditional depressing crap that you usually have in documentary films. But the fact that they nominated a film that's unique and has a different point of view, and you know, you all, there was also the, the discussion of is it really a documentary? It, I just love the fact that it, that it was nominated. Although Inside Job, you know, I gotta say, like, there were a number of critics who put that film on their top ten list, so you never know, that could, that could come and sweep it. That's gonna be interesting, but yeah, I've gotta go exit through the gift shop. It's the geek pick. Yeah, it uh, really is, yes. <laughs> next up, we have one of the most uninspiring categories of the year, and that would be for original song. <laughs> uh, we've got Coming Home from Country Strong, I See the Light from Tangled, I Ri- If I Rise from 127 Hours, and We Belong Together from Toy Story 3, starring Randy Newman. Randy Newman, well... Pete said, give it to Randy Newman. What the heck? He already has, like, what, 12 other Academy Awards? No, I, I take it back. He's been nominated, like, multiple times. He only won, I think, for Toy Story 2 once. So, what the heck? Give Randy they, Newman a second Oscar. I, uh, You know, Coming Home wasn't a bad song. From Country Strong. Yeah. That's probably one of the few songs I actually really enjoyed. If they actually got Garrett Hedlund and, and Gwyneth Paltrow to sing it, that would be freaking awesome. <laughs> that would be amusing. Especially if he came out in his Tron attire. That would be even better. It would be like the <laughs> best thing ever. If it's like, Daft Punk, what? That would be beautiful. No Pimps Don't Cry, really, Academy? No, no, no Pimps Don't Cry from the other guys? I know. It's sad. It's Ugh, sad. Yeah. Awful. That would be... <laughs> I was listening to my iPod and my hero played and I just started laughing There goes my hero. Yes. Um, all right, now we're getting very interesting places now. We've got adapted screenplay. We've got 127 hours. The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. I think The Social Network is pretty much a mortal lock on this one just because... I hope so because I thought they did a fine job of adapting yeah. that book. Well, and, and Sorkin's script is... That's probably most of the reason why that movie is so good. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm, I've, I've expressed kind of being on the fence about some things. I think there were parts of it, parts of the screenplay that were sound a little too much like screenplay dialogue, but you know that's that's a whole other argument. But no, it, it's it, for the most part, it's a very strong screenplay. More more than just capturing dialogue or telling the story. I mean, it's a character piece, and I think it really captures character well, the same way the book did. So, and I've read the book, and so it, as an adaptation from from book to screen, I think it's absolutely fine. Winter's Bone could steal this because it's a it's an it ingenious could. story, and I think yes. they did a they did a great job of creating this gothic horror story in a real context. Yeah. So so what's your official pick? So. I think Werner's Bone will get it. I think uh, Social Network should get it. Okay, I think it should and will get it. All right, animated feature. We've got How to Train Your Dragon, The Illusionist, and Toy Story 3. I've not seen The Illusionist yet. Yeah, neither have I. Uh, Robert Dennerstein, who is a fine critic, writes for DennersteinUnleashed.com. He's uh, formerly the film critic for the uh, Rocky Mountain Dever Post. Um, he says The Illusionist is extraordinarily brilliant. It's uh, from Jacques Tati. However... Um, I have seen How to Train Your Dragon, which I, I love the dragons, not so much the humans. Toy Story 3, which just got nudged out of my top 10 list for 2010. I, th- I think it, it will get it and it should get it. It should. How to Train Your Dragon is a step in the right direction, I think. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. I mean, you know, again, I I think it just has to do with my, I don't want to say prejudice because that makes it sound like a racist thing, but it's <laughs> my, but it's like, it's more than just dislike. I just, I have such a problem with Jay Baruchel. I can't handle his voice. I just, I can't stand him. I don't know what my problem is because he seems like a nice guy, but I just, I do not like him in movies. I really, really don't. And I, if they just, if if Shia LaBeouf had done that voice, I would have been so much happier. I don't know why, but yeah. All right, let's let's go ahead. You know, we're gonna skip documentary short. Okay. I feel like we like we should probably skip animated short because the only one I saw was Day and Night, and I think it'll probably I think has an outstanding chance of winning it because it's one of the best animated shorts I've ever seen in my life. Cool. But, well, you saw it in front of Toy Story 3. Oh, that is day and night. Well, yeah, yeah, because it's, you know, you have a point. Because it's a 2D it's, and 3D mix. Because it's so popular and people have seen it, then yeah, I think that alone gives it an excellent shot. And the the way that they intercut the day and night with the with the two characters jumping between each other, it's I mean, brilliant. it's a technological marvel. Yeah, yeah, that's, just to come up with that. It was joy on celluloid. Yeah, but it was so complex in its construction. I could I could really see people giving it just because for Pete's sake, what a what a feat to even figure that out at the storyboard level, let alone the animation level. Exactly. All right, let's move on to original screenplay. Then we've got another year, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, and The King's Speech. Hmm. I oh man, if there's justice, it goes to Inception. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Um, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of embody. Ethan, for a second, uh, <laughs> this is the only nomination another year is up for. Uh, Mike Lee is wonderful and brilliant, and highly, highly um, underestimated in terms of Academy Award love and appreciation. Um, so I'm gonna, gosh, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm gonna go for another year. I think it should get it because uh, it's. So you a, it's think it should? Do you think it will? It should. No, Inception. I think will get it. I think people will honor what an ingenious mousetrap Inception is. Okay. All right, uh, up next is Art Direction. Alice in Wonderland. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Okay, uh, and then your three actual nominees, Inception, The King's Speech, and True Grit. Okay. The well, King's Speech has a legitimate shot because of the way they recreate the palace and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, True Grit, I, I think it's shot in nature so much, and, and it, it, I think that might discount its chances somewhat. 
Um, I think I'm actually leaning towards Inception again. Yeah, for me, it's all about Inception. I, I love the sets. I thought they were beautiful and, uh, you know, really create that, that film noir look, not to mention the James Bond look of the latter part, portion of the film. The part where Joseph Gordon-Levitt is walking Ellen Page up the staircase. Yeah. That scene, you know, that's, there's your winning shot right there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think Inception should get this. Uh, True Grit has a chance at getting because it is reconstructing a lost time. Yeah, you know, and I think it, the, yeah, it's kind of like when uh, when Dances with Wolves won this award. I thought, why, why? But you know, again, we we got to give them credit. You know, this is this is hundreds and hundreds of years ago that they're reconstructing. That is difficult. I got to get into that, and the Academy has a soft spot for that. So, True Grit, I think we'll get it. I want Inception to win this, and I'm going to go Inception on both. Uh, okay. Up next, we have got film editing. This is the second last one because we're skipping live action short film because yeah. didn't watch it. Any of those. Um, film editing, we've got that Black Swan, The Fighter, The King's Speech, 127 Hours, and The Social Network. The King's Speech has zero business being nominated in this category. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, the Fighter, you know, the, the fight scenes and the fight choreography was, I mean, that was put together really well, I have to say, because it wasn't just shaky camera. You couldn't tell what the heck was going on. Yeah. But it still gave you the feeling of being in the fights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 127 hours was the you know the the jump cut Danny Boyle specials, right? But it actually worked. It did. Yeah. Um, Social Network. You know, I gotta say, probably I'm not feeling that nomination so much. No. And I, I think it's I think it shouldn't will go to Black Swan because the way that movie was put together. Yeah, you know, and and I've talked about this one after we saw Inception for the first time. I can't say I was crazy about the placement of some of the courtroom scenes, or rather the the hearing scenes. In, um, in what? Oh, you mean in social? In network. social network? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, in social network. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think, uh, I think there was some some placement in terms of narrative, some placement errors that could have made the film flow a little bit better. Um, yeah, the editing in, in Black Swan it was integral to to the descent into madness. And more importantly, it sustains the tone because yes. that movie could be like a bad Terry Gilliam movie where all of a sudden the tone goes out of whack and changes schizophrenically from scene to scene and throws you out of the movie. Um, but it, that never happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if Black Swan only wins one Oscar, and let's face it, that could be the case, um, I would want it to either be this or, or Portman. Yeah. All right. Um, the final one, the biggie. We have got Best Picture, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are Alright, The King's Speech, 127 Hours, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone. Ethan's pick is The King's Speech. Really? This is what will win, not what should win. Oh, gotcha. Yes, yes. Well, he's probably right about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if the, the, the Academy were to actually grow up here, it would be Black Swan. <laughs> I could see The Social Network winning it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to hedge my bets and say, because, uh, you know, for my top 10 list, my number one was Inception. My number two is was Black Swan. So I'm just going to do that. I think Inception will win, but I would love for Black Swan to win too. So I think Black Swan should win. I think Inception has a chance of winning because it's a favorite. It's the top grossing film nominated. It was one of the most popular films that come out last summer and last year. Um, I think there might be enough people in the Academy like me who are going, no, King's Speech, no, kids are all, Inception! My kid loved that movie. And they'll give the vote to Inception. So I will honestly be happy with any of these as long as it's not the King's Speech. Uh, I, I, I would say rather because I have not seen the kids okay, are all right. Okay, okay, yeah, because because uh, I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be outraged if it won. Like I mean, like when No Country for Old Men won a few years ago, I was pretty upset because I don't think that's prime Coen Brothers. Yeah, 
Um, and when Chicago won a couple of years back, <sighs> that also pissed me off because I didn't think that was anywhere near. And we're going to talk about this year. next week. I, I decided I haven't told you yet, but next week's topic is going to be we're going to go back about the next last 15, 20 years and talk about the disappointing wins. That'll be fun. That'll be yeah. fun because you know because I'll, I'll tell you this. This is a, this is a, maybe a spoiler for betters, but like I'm actually a pretty good bet when it comes to every five to ten years. Um, the movie I wanted to win for Best Picture in 95 was Braveheart, and it won. The movie I wanted to win in 2005 was Crash, and it won. And now five years later, I think Inception should be Best Picture. Maybe it'll win. Maybe. Maybe. I, I think it should be Black Swan. I think it's – I hate to say it, it. It could be the king of speech. I hate to even admit that. But Even no, if it, it means me right. losing our pool next week at the, <laughs> at the thing, I will not vote for the king's speech. <laughs> no, I'm not going to vote for the king's speech either. I just – you know, it's like it, – it, um, you know, it's like when I mean, just to go to the example I just gave. I mean, like Brokeback Mountain was the favorite for 2005, and Crash, which more people love, thankfully, swooped swooped in and and, and stole that award. Um, everybody thought that Saving Private Ryan was was a lock for Best Picture of the Year, but then Shakespeare in Love, which wasn't as good, came in and stole that Oscar. So you never know. It really is a race to the very, very finish. And it really does come down oftentimes more to popularity than it does who deserves to. So I think popularity is the key. And King's Speech is winning a lot of love right now, especially for Colin Firth. I don't think anybody has a shot of, of taking away his Oscar. But I think with the, when the voting happened, I think Black Swan was on the rise and you know Black Swan just broke 100 million dollars it's like you know nobody is doing like parodies of the King's Speech but people are doing Black Swan parodies Black Swan is like I mean who would have thought that a movie that dark that erotic that disturbing that NC-17 friendly um, would become a pop culture footnote but it is it totally is It's certainly cinematically speaking it may be the most famous and well known movie that Aronofsky has ever made Mm -hmm. which is saying an awful lot so so yeah, no, it, it could very well steal everything. And I, I would, I, I'm like you, I would be happy for that to happen. Because some of these movies like, you know, Inception, for Pete's sake, if Inception wins nothing, gets totally shafted, you know, it's okay. It went over, it got over $200 million. People have seen it, people loved it. The film has nothing else to prove. But Black Swan, I mean, that movie is an uphill battle from the beginning. Because it's, a, I mean, just to even describe what it's about, I mean, like, is anybody going to see this film? It would be a film honoring one of the true artistic filmmakers we have. Yes. And let's face it, the Oscars don't do that. They no. they give it to Fuddy Duddy. They the, give the, it the to... Chances, the chances, I hate to admit it, but the odds are that he'll probably end up getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. You know, that that's very well put. Because, yeah, I mean, the Oscars, they tend to go with safe bets. They go with Holocaust dramas or they go with historical films that are three hours long and have pretty costumes. I mean, it's they love pageantry, but they rarely ever, you know, give artistry to the Oscar. That's why, that's why Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture. Psycho didn't win Best Picture. You know, but Gone with the Wind, oh, my gosh, we give that shower it with Oscars. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about this all next week. We will. We will. We will. Yeah, I think it's going to make for a good long. Yeah, we, but, we might shorten choice. some of the other bits because that's going to be a long bit. Um, <laughs> but let's go ahead and talk about what's hot in theaters this weekend. That's probably not going to be enough for an Oscar. Uh, guaranteed. Although uh, in an alternate universe, I think Drive Angry 3D would be up for every major award. Uh, this is the new film starring Nicolas Cage and Amber Heard. Um, it was shot officially in 3D. In fact, I think they're actually promoting that more than the plot and the trailers that it's actually the title filmed. is Drive Angry in 3D. 3D. So, I don't know. I'm going to be there. It, it's probably going to be terrible, but you know what? This looks like my kind of terrible. So, we'll okay. see. Uh, and then the new film from the Farrelly Brothers um, could go either way. Hall Pass with Jason Sudeikis and Jenna Fisher and Owen Wilson. Um, I'm with you. I don't think the premise is all that funny, and I certainly don't think the trailers are all that funny. So, who's safe? the movie's all that funny? But I'm actually seeing this uh, tomorrow night. 
All right, then. So, well, Have fun with that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's hitting the DVD next week? DVD? Well, the aforementioned film that uh, almost swept the Golden Globes. and uh, but Burlesque? Yes. <laughs> Burlesque. Almost, almost swept the Golden Globes. Didn't quite happen. But yeah, Cher and Christina Aguilera and Kristen Bell and Stanley Tucci in the soon-to-be camp classic Burlesque. <laughs> yes. More credit than, oh, than you, a movie deserves. You really should see it. I will. It's that really bad. Now, well, you know, I'm teaching a class on movie musicals. Uh, not this semester. <laughs> not fall, but a year from now, I'm going to be teaching a class on the is called the musical. So uh, I need to see burlesque. Oh yeah, you do. So <laughs> that way you can have your room of the of the semester. There you go. Now, nothing like rewarding a class with the room at the end of the semester. I got to say, my lost films class, they love the room. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Bambi, the two disc diamond edition. I love Bambi. Do you like Bambi? Yeah. This movie just it's not like, like my favorite, but it's not bad. It's honestly up there with my favorites. It destroys me whenever I see it. I just, I just think it's such an emotionally charged movie. I really do. Like people remember the cute little animals, but for me, this is about life and death. And like when uh, Thumper gets caught by the farmer and then he's carrying around a lucky rabbit's foot later. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. For Pete's sake, <laughs> no, this, this is about like when you're a kid and you're learning about death. And I think for me, this was like one of the you know kind of learning about loss and about losing parents and you know and ugh. Tough yeah. movie, tough the, movie. The, the better movie, I think, really was Bambi versus Godzilla. <laughs> I would not disagree with you. I saw that in the theater. Uh, it was in front of Godzilla in 1985 when we it's saw It's a whole two minutes long, but you know. Oh, it's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, no, I agree. One of the greatest animated movies of all time. Um, a film that Dave and I caught uh, at the Denver Film Festival. In fact, the first film we got, uh, which was Danny Boyle's 127 Hours with a tour de force performance by James Franco. Um, I think this is a fantastic movie. A return for, you know, as someone who has admittedly not been nice to Mr. Boyle for years, I think this is a return form for him, and I think a terrific film. Um, so check that out. Um, the Anne Hathaway, Jake Gyllenhaal are nude movie, uh, Love and Other Drugs, which um, other than the nudity, I've heard it's really not all that remarkable. That's what, all right then. Yeah, that's that's never a good thing. Um, one of Dave's favorite, uh, guilt, not even a guilty pleasure, one of Dave's overt favorite movies from last year, Dwayne Johnson in Faster. Yeah, I'm Billy very Bob curious Porton. to see what you think about this movie. And I will see this because uh, not only do I like Dwayne Johnson, but I'm married to a woman who would drop me for Dwayne Johnson in a heartbeat. So we will be watching Faster get, very get, soon. Get, get a preview of him having a, before he has the bald off against Vin Diesel. <laughs> I cannot wait for Fast Five. Um, let's see. We also got on Blu-ray being released for the first time on Blu-ray. You've got uh, Cable Guy, Ben Stiller's Cable Guy with with Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey going dark in a very weird and edgy comedy, but I like Cable Guy. Um, one of Steven Soderbergh's, I think, best films. If I think not it's his my best favorite film. Soderbergh film. It's down. wonderful. Out of Sight with George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, and yes, her best performance, um, full of great performances. Everybody from Steve Zahn to Nancy Allen is in this movie. Excellent film. Soderbergh in top form. Terrific film. Um, the series reboots season one and two available for the first time on, on uh, DVD and then uh, two interesting titles Can Man or Con Man depending on how you want to pronounce it uh, a document not a documentary a fake mockumentary about uh, the Con Film Festival featuring the likes of Seymour Cassell and Johnny Depp and finally um, a movie that almost would have been my crap title of the week if had Dave not taught me once again because <laughs> Dave you know I, I do a kitty shovel when I dig for these Dave uses a a big full size oh, snow shovel. Mover, yeah. You really do, and, and yeah, you really do. I gotta hand it to you. But the the title I picked, which is a really bad film. There was this period of black exploitation where they did these horror black exploitation films. So he had Blackula, Blackenstein. Well, this week available on DVD for the 35th anniversary edition, Doctor Black and Mister Hyde, about a soul brother <laughs> scientist who drinks some syrup and becomes a racist white honky. <laughs> so I have to see this movie. And look, you know, I'm I'm uh, 
you know, look, I, I can I can embrace a premise like that. I really can. But uh, this is this is a terrible film. Terrible film. But no, 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 no. Not to be outdone. No, <laughs> Dave. Right. Dave has found the title, the crap yes, title of the week. Yes. My gosh. In the fourth installment. That's right. The fourth installment of the ice skating film franchise. I didn't know you could have one of those. Alejandra Alex Delgado retires from fair skating only to be lured back by the smoldering bad boy speed, speed skater James McKenzie. But as practices get more intense, so does their relationship off the ice, which may derail their championship dreams. That's right, next week you will be able to buy Fran- uh, Frankia Reza and Brendan Frere in Cutting Edge Fire and Ice. Oh, that's just... Cutting Edge like, 4. four yeah, right? yeah, it's number... It's number two, but you know. Have you seen the first Cutting Edge? I like. I don't mind the first one. I like. Me too. I just watched it again recently, and I like the cut. I mean, it, you know, it's it's corny now, but I mean, it's it's. I think a very very good little romantic comedy. Yeah, but no, they no. made they made three sequels, so now it's like now it's like Children of the Corn or The Howling. It's like one of these one of these DVD movies that just keeps going and going. Did you see Leprechaun in the Hood? Is on watch instantly. No. Yes. I watched that with my brother about 10 years ago. We were house-sitting in Lake Tahoe, and we actually watched that, I think, on Christmas. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Uh, and uh, Wow. I've seen, I've seen it. I don't know if I need to go back. I just remember uh, Warwick Davis going, a friend with weed is a friend indeed. And, and then, of and course, I, he's got the little rap that ends the movie. Oh, yeah, and Ice-T with the fake fro and the wide-collar shirt and the white bell bottoms. It's dreadful. You know, Leprechaun with Jennifer Aniston is dreadful. Imagine that, a dreadful Jennifer Aniston no. movie. But, uh, my gosh, the sequel is just, I mean, it is, it is embarrassing this how bad is it is. five. That's Leprechaun 5. Man. Because don't they have Leprechaun like back in the hood? Like they did a back se- to the hood. Yeah, a direct sequel. Leprechaun in the Hood apparently sold so many DVDs that they actually made a direct sequel to Leprechaun in the Hood, which is says a lot <laughs> about our DVD culture. That's it enough totally guys like is. you and me like going, oh, we got to see that, even though it's going to be terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow, no mail this week. Come on, send us something, people. We want mail. That'd be great. Yeah, M A I L, not the. Never mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> if you want to shoot us an email, nicely you can, done. Thank you. You can email us at podcast buried Dave or Ethan, or even Jack, all at ScreenGeeks.com. We want mail! Yes, and you can also leave us a voicemail at 719-358-2675. Next week we're going to talk about the crimes against cinematic humanity. That is, That would be the films that won Best Picture that had no business winning in preparation for the Oscars. Good topic. It shall be a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, but until next week, this is Dave. This is Barry. Take it easy. You know what my kids would say? You're not my real father.